Hi everyone, I'm Tamina. I'm Kevin. And I'm Joyce, and today we're on Breaking Changes Roundtable. This week we have some interesting topics. We're going to be talking about Elon Musk's bad behavior at Twitter, API security, and the implosion of FTX. Has it really flatlined cryptocurrency? All right, so the Elon Musk era at Twitter is off to a rocky start with massive layoffs, charging for blue checks, ultimatums, mass resignations, and office closures. Um, I haven't been following too closely, but what do you think? Are you surprised? Surprised? Yeah, I, think. I think a lot of people are surprised, right? It's uh, There were a lot of people afraid of you know Elon Musk kind of taking control of Twitter. Uh, and then he's just done so much since taking control. It's almost hard to keep up with the news. Absolutely. And it's a little hard to tell what exactly is even happening right now over there between the regulations. Um, I know one of the hot button issues is misinformation being spread on Twitter and the lack of regulation around that specifically. Um, and advertisers leaving the platform because they don't want to be on a platform where their ads are going to be right next to something controversial or um, untrue. So there's definitely yeah. some rocky, rocky stuff going on over there. We've seen some real economic consequences. I mean, people pretending to be getting the verified check and then pretending to be major, major like titans of industry and then saying something hilariously terrible um, and just like millions and millions of dollars of revenue or revenue, just economic valuation lost. What do you What do you think? Do you want your verified check? I'm a I'm definitely one of the black sheep of the world because I am actually not on Twitter. I don't think I have the. It doesn't work for my brain to keep up with all these little tweets. <laughs> um, but I've been watching from the outside, and I know some friends were pretty disappointed that one of their favorite social media platforms is tanking. Yeah, I'm I'm not a blue check subscriber. Um and I, you know, not sure how well that model is is actually going to do. I know it is uh, you know, troubling to see like people who are paying for the platform leave, right? Companies who are paying advertising dollars leave. Yeah. Uh it makes everyone feel like a little uneasy about the future of the platform, but I'm sure it'll be around for for quite some time, right? Like these social networks they they don't have a quick death usually right like it's it's slow um and you know i i i don't think twitter's actually going to to go away um but i think we'll probably um be in, in rocky waters for a while well and i would say that it won't be a fast death however we have seen many very very popular social platforms experience a complete death um effectively and so um tamina you were saying that like you're not even on Twitter and other people have been saying like, this is the end, you know? So it's kind of um, one of reason why it's, there's no quick death is because usually there needs to be something else that everyone jumps to. What do you see people getting involved in? I heard of um, a new platform called Post News is taking up, uh, picking up some speed. I haven't done too much digging into it, but that's um, actually recently received some funding. And then Mastodon is the next one that folks seem to be gravitating towards. Apparently MySpace was trending on Twitter. <laughs> so maybe we're bringing back. MySpace back. <laughs> yeah, A lot I of think tech in... folks have moved to Mastodon. Um, and I think what's really interesting is that it's 
uh, kind of bringing back this idea that we can have smaller niche communities on the internet that don't have to be these wide platforms like Facebook or, or Twitter. Right. And, but the, the sort of, uh, the dopamine hits are a little bit different, right? Like you're, you're probably not going to, to go viral on a platform like Mastodon the same way that you would on something like Twitter. So it, it really kind of changes for folks who have, you know, wide audiences. And I think for Mastodon, some one complaint I've heard, if you want to think of it as a Twitter replacement, is that it's decentralized. Mm -hmm. So Tamina was talking about like people just impersonating other people earlier. You can do the exact same thing theoretically on Mastodon and spin up your own decentralized server and say, hello, I'm I'm Postman or like I'm Kevin or whoever. Um, so, I mean, have you dabbled? I have not yet. Not yet. I am I am on Mastodon. Uh, you know, a, a, a big issue, of course, is uh, moderation. Uh, and you know, if you've got a team of volunteers who are like running servers, um, how do you uh, make sure that people are kept safe and that you know moderation is is happening adequately? Um, you know, at the same time, like you know, we're seeing moderation get defunded essentially inside of Twitter, right? So um, so I, I think you know, this is a challenge that we're going to face on really every platform moving forward. That's right. The main person who leads moderation, you know, very publicly quit. And a lot of other employees, um, there was an ultimatum, ultimatum issued by Elon Musk saying, like, if you're not going to be hardcore, you know, be in it to win it with me, then please do get out. And a lot of people ended up leaving. What do you think about the dynamic between Elon Musk and the employees at Twitter? A lot of us know people that work there. Um, clearly, we work at a tech company, so we can envision ourselves in the same dynamic. What are, <laughs> what are your thoughts here? I definitely feel for those Twitter employees. I know some of them had been there for so long, and the company that and the community that they had known and loved and built just completely changed within a matter of weeks. Um, but I'm... On one hand, glad to see the ones speaking up and against the, the changes that they don't agree with. Um, but I definitely, um, in a time where employment and layoffs are so um, constant in the news, I, I definitely have some, some um, empathy for them in their situation right now. Yeah, I mean, it's hard economic times, right? So it's... It, it really just represents uh, how big of a decision that had to be for these folks to leave, right? Um, knowing that they might not have another job lined up quickly, um, given the state of things. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's good that they left and they're not with a company that doesn't sort of align with their goals um, and that they have the freedom to do that and the comfort to do that. Um, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully we see things get a little bit better in the economy and the tech industry uh, picks up again. And I, I know a lot of these folks will get hired very quickly as soon as that happens. I think um, something that was interesting that I saw is just folks who were asked to leave and then asked to come back because they realized that was a critical personnel that needed to be a part of the organization. And I think that's going to speak to the infrastructure. I know just literally today, um, there was a massive drop uh, in functionality. So we'll see where Twitter is going to head in the next few weeks. 
Yeah, I think it sounded like it was a pretty rash decision. There are some people in countries that can't be let go so immediately. And mm -hmm. so just even following up on some of those legalities are um, are kind of a little uh, short-sighted. Definitely. All right. Um, APIs are everywhere, but is API security lacking? Uh, living in an API-dominated world poses unique challenges and risks to companies of every size. Uh, why should companies be concerned about their API security? Why are we still talking about this? API security has been like a big deal for bazillions of years. Why does this keep being like so, yes, yes, every time there's a breach, something happens and then everyone's like, oh, shoot, we should think about it. But why, why is this still like, should we think about it? Yeah, it is weird. Like, don't we don't think to. about physical security that way, right? Like, we, <laughs> when it comes to, like, physical security, like, oh, the bouncer definitely has to be there outside of the nightclub. What, why is this any different? Yeah. I guess it's the like... Bouncer. The, the, the threat you can't see doesn't seem to exist until it comes and bites you uh, because you didn't want to think about it. It's definitely an investment on top of building software to think about security, and people don't want to spend money if they don't have to. Um, and but that's the thing. I don't it. think it's I don't think it's something that you need to think about. In addition, it's part of your product. It's like quality or like nowadays, like developer experience and stuff. If you think about, hey, once I am so luxurious that I have a team to worry about security or I can hire somebody, if security's not baked into your culture, if if it's so like last minute that you're just tacking it on, I think you're in trouble, anyways. Yeah. So this, I mean, this just came up with. Um a new social media or social, uh, yeah, social media network that uh, launched to replace Twitter, right? They, I think it was just a couple days ago, they were like, oh, um, as it turns out, everyone can edit everyone else's tweets or, or status updates. So they took down the entire service. I think it's Hive Social or something like that. Um, so they ended up taking down the entire service and said, oh, we'll be back once this like terrible security issue is fixed. Oh, wow. That's such a liability. I mean, that's somebody else representing you and just changing your words and changing like how you represent yourself. Yeah. And I think the I think part of the issue is just there's there's so many the the surface area for security attacks just seems to keep getting bigger and bigger and hackers just keep getting smarter and smarter and maybe outsourced development is also a part of this issue where people just are paying someone to do one specific job and security wasn't part of that scope. Do you think this is a business leader issue or is this something more at the individual contributor level? I mean, I think the footprint is getting bigger and with more APIs, you're gonna have more footprint to cover. But like in the example that you have there where you're paying somebody else to, uh, I don't know, do you say like, and make sure there's no security breaches <laughs> when you build me those APIs, make sure you're not leaking customer info. Like, do you need to put that into the business requirements? Well, I think there's a lack of security testing that happens a lot of times mm -hmm. as well, or folks will like do security testing, but only over like a couple of key APIs, uh, but not everything else, right? And as long as there's like one leak in the bucket, the water's still gonna run out, right? Like, so, um, I think broadening API security testing is is probably a smart idea. Um, I think there are probably fewer people out there who know it really well. And so that maybe that's keeping some companies from investing more into it. But it's definitely a, an area that, you know, requires significant investment, I think. 
Definitely. Even well, in- and Tamina, you were talking about like the bad actors, you know, mm-hmm. the people that are going around actively trying to find these vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of, um, that's probably in terms of like vulnerabilities and breaches. A lot of these are being discovered by users or by other employees, but maybe they don't prioritize it. So they never get fixed. Definitely. I think if it's, you know, it might be broken, but if it's not being used against an organization, the organization's like, well, we need to focus our resources elsewhere or we'll come back to this later. It's not an issue right now. And that's just not how you can be when people are trusting you with their data, their personhood, whatever have you. And it's, it's a new age of social responsibility and data responsibility. Something that I, something that I heard a quote the other day on breaking changes actually was that, um, data breaches are similar to an oil spill. At the end of the day, it's not um, the the oil company might make a mistake, but who really gets affected? It's all the people who live around where the oil spills out and all the people whose data gets spread um, are the ones really being affected. And I feel like companies are bouncing back from these security breaches and the public isn't much wiser to it because they're not publicizing it um, across platforms. So I don't know. I don't know if the consumers need to hold businesses more accountable um, or if that's actually going to happen. I mean, like the example, Kevin, that you brought up, the Hive, not to shame this one company, but what's the name of it again? I think it's Hive. Yeah, I don't know. And and if not, sorry, Hive. (laughs) Sorry, other Hive. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't even understand how you could make an endpoint that updates a tweet without like the proper authentication. I don't even, I can't even imagine how that gets released to production. And so if, if we're talking about whose responsibility is it as a consumer, I'm, I'm probably not going to create an account on Hive, you know, like just knowing that this is how they run their entire tech stack. Something interesting I saw in the state of the API report from this year was that a lot of people working with APIs this year have very little experience working with APIs um, compared to last year. Um, might be part of the issue. Has it gone up? I feel like it's always very, it's just like the growth of APIs is so fast that there's always new people. I think the the tech world is actually just starting to see more and more people joining it and APIs are absolutely picking up in speed. And so that definitely seems like part of the part of the issue here. It's a good point. Awesome. Well, speaking of security issues, is crypto on the end of its rope with the public? We'll find out after this break. With high-profile names like Larry David, Tom Brady, Shaquille O'Neal, and Stephen Curry involved in a class action lawsuit, has FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried become the Bernie Madoff of crypto? Can the public trust in crypto again? I mean, what is really going on with this story? I feel like I'm getting a new update about SBF um, every 30 minutes. seems like he can't stop talking about what's going on either. Have you been keeping up, Joyce? I haven't been keeping up. I've seen a couple um, 
headlines, watched a couple videos, and I, in general, know about crypto, but I don't think that this is representative of all crypto. If you're in crypto, theoretically, you know how volatile cryptocurrency can be, and you know how it rests on speculation and confidence and trust, right? That's any any coin that you're choosing to invest in. FTX is no different. And I don't... I. I know that they were in a big commercial saying like, hey, buy this coin or buy invest in FTX, but I don't understand how you can hold the people in the commercials liable for that. They're using their image to promote something to the public that the pub and the public's here trusting them. But in reality, so I mean, definitely a great point. It's not it's not representative of all of crypto. And I agree. I, I do think it's going to make a pretty big dent in um, the socialization and acceptance of crypto. Um, but when there was another uh, currency exchange, uh, cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, when they went in to possibly purchase a piece of FDX, they looked at the, the finances and they came out of it and said, this is not something we're going to purchase. And it was very shortly soon after that, that FTX claimed bankruptcy and a lot more clarity came into their uh, financial statements. They were, I, I want to say, $9 billion in debt and had about $900 million in assets. Um, so they owe a lot of people money, and those people are probably never going to see it again. I've seen like a, a bunch of things on like bankruptcy lawyers being like, this is the worst case I've ever seen in my life. Uh, do you think like that alone, just the, the, the lack of confidence in folks who are running these companies, do you think that could hurt confidence in crypto altogether? I think that, yeah, go ahead, Joyce. Most definitely. I mean, if you think of crypto as something that you invest in, like a, a, an umbrella of something that you invest in, and one of the biggest players, one of the biggest market movers is on this fragile house of cards, possibly doing stuff that's criminal, if not like just general fraud. Like, yeah, it's very representative. It's very visible, too. Uh, it's really interesting. Uh, Sam Bankman freed. He recently did a video where he said he didn't know there was you know, liabilities. So it's tying it back to that security conversation we had. He literally said security was not a concern for him because he was so busy trying to spread the brand. And he didn't think that security was going to be an issue. Um, and then lo and behold, they get hacked and money gets siphoned out of a back door that was apparently in place in the code from the beginning. Um, and even uh, thinking about APIs, uh, Plaid, the, the connector between um, banks and FDX, said that they were starting to see folks trying to hack their APIs to get access to bank account information, and they cut off that they cut off that integration. So, I think the I think wow. we're going to see a lot. Yeah, right. We're, I think we're going to see a lot of um, lack of support for these young founders. This there's been so much young energy, so much you know new money in crypto and. A lot of it has been from younger generations. I think we're going to see a lot more scrutiny around who's leading these companies and like more transparency around what's going on behind behind their doors. Well, I, I just learned this from Tamina. S SBF is what we're calling him now. Yeah. SBF, um, I think it's, you know, great PR. Oh, I didn't know. I'm just a mm. young kid. You know, we have people that are running multi-million, multi-billion dollar companies that are like the same age. So I don't necessarily think it has to do with um, the youth of the founder or the leading group. Um, you know, all of us are at Postman and we have a very young founding group. I think it has to do with um, the 
I think that's PR for one thing. And then you're talking about the breach. Yes, the API security breach, the wanting to be hacked, the leak funneling monies out is totally like one of the precipitators here. But it was also, uh, Kevin, I know you haven't been following this as much, but they were siphoning money um, against the terms and conditions with their customers, their investors, to his girlfriend's um, shell company or hedge fund. And I think that, I mean, here's the other thing. They were all like just in cahoots with each other. So whether or not there's a conflict cahoots as in like literally in bed with each other. So whether or not it's a conflict of interest, it's just like, what kind of, what is this anyways? It sounds real sketch. Yeah. My exposure to this has been like, oh, hey, SBF ordered $3,000 worth of shrimp in a 30 day period. So that's, <laughs> that's the kind of news I'm getting on this, uh, which is, which is amazing. Less that's a shrimp. lot of shrimp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, there's been a lot of folks who are not allowed to make any withdrawals from their wallets anymore. The money that they had invested is now all up in the air and from in the individuals all the way up to the people who had invested millions of dollars into FDX. Businesses. No, businesses, absolutely. And um, I think it's going to be a bit of time for the the public to catch their trust back. But I do see SBF being also used as a scapegoat to say this is it's not crypto as a whole. It was this guy. Yeah. And I think um, you were talking about like the generational differences in businesses, Tamina. I do think that something that is different is that they were targeting the youth. Mm. They were targeting youth, uh, go to market channels, mobile apps, specific people um, that are just kids and saying, here, invest in invest in our coin. So is that something that should be? looked at. Great point. Absolutely. I also think there's something to be said about populations who didn't grow up with technology and they see crypto as a get fast, get get rich quick scheme because so many people have been making so much money off of it. They wanted a piece of the pie without really understanding what's going on behind the doors of what they're putting their money into. All right. Well, let us know what you think about SBF and call them SBF when you tell us. We'll be back with Parting Shots next. All right, parting shots. This is what I wanna say. I'm gonna get back up on my high horse and say, why are we still talking about API security and API quality? As long as we're talking about those things, let's move on to the next layer. I feel like a lot of the conversations we're having nowadays are, it's important, really think about it, people. And we really need to get a little bit beyond that to a more nuanced approach and learn collectively why we should all be thinking about it and have been thinking about it long ago. That's my parting shot, thank you. Thanks, Joyce. Definitely, definitely agree wow. with you. <laughs> wow. And I think it's time. Oh, sorry, Kevin, it's your turn. I can't, I'm just going to say I can't compete with Joyce's parting shot. I was really strong. It was really, you know, emotional. Just speak loudly and then your parting shot will be very strong. All right. Um, okay. Let me think real quick. Mm. Oh, I'll talk about. I'll talk about social network stuff. Okay. Um, so I, what I'm finding really interesting about all this talk around uh, social media and moving social networks is that uh, we are starting to rediscover uh, smaller online communities that we can join, right? It kind of used to be this way on the internet where everything was a, a small community uh, and then big companies came and took over. Uh, and, you know, suddenly we've got Facebook and we've got Twitter. But now, like, I'm in a small community that's talking about, like, uh, networking protocols or talking about 
ops administration, um, you know, talking about something like really very specific. Uh, and, you know, while it ends up being more to manage, so managing several small communities as opposed to one large one, uh, I think the connections that we're seeing there are actually stronger and, um, you know, somewhat hopeful about our future. Love that optimism, Kevin. I think, um, you know, my parting shot is if you're not following the FDX drama, you should go follow it because it's like better than any drama on TV these days <laughs> and it's real life. And I think the one thing that I do like about these big centralized social media platforms is that everyone has access to the tea. So, you know, and a lot of these people that are causing all the drama love to talk. So it's it's definitely better than the drama on TV these days. Go go check it out and let us know what you think the future of crypto is going to hold. Like, comment, subscribe to Breaking Changes Roundtable. And until next time, cheers. 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 cheers.